Well, ladies and gentlemen, there is huge injury news in Leaf Land. The big superstar, the guy who's supposed to save everyone, is now injured on the shelf, but supposed to put up big numbers and make a huge jump before coming over to North America. No, I'm not talking about Austin Matthews. I'm talking about Rodin Amirov, this young man who is supposed to crack the Leafs roster next year and is supposed to be a top six player, which we don't know. Obviously, he was putting up some good points before he got injured but is now out with a broken collarbone. How are you going to deal with this uh, information, Josh? Is your heart broken? How are you feeling about Rodin Amirov now on the shelf for probably six to eight to 10 weeks? Um, I mean, NHL doesn't start for another month and a half, so I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. I don't think he was going to be a world breaker coming in. Uh, Well, Here's the fun thing. He wasn't even coming over to play with us this year. Yeah, like I don't think it's it's that big a deal for the uh, for the Leafs. Like, yeah, sure, it sucks for his development. He's probably going to miss the start of the season over, and uh, I think he's playing with uh, like, their season already started. So I think it's he was uh, six uh, or eight games in. Yeah, Salavat, Yulava, or yeah, something like that. But yeah, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to hurt his development too badly. It was just unfortunate. I mean, the injury looked horrible as it is. He went headfirst into the boards. I thought he hurt his neck or something, but. Uh, it seems like he got away pretty lucky for what what could have been, and you know, hopefully he gets healed pretty quickly. I mean, but this guy, he's got a shot. I'm sure we've all seen his training videos. This guy can rip the puck right under the bar where he wants to. Uh, he's he's going to be good at, at deceiving goalies from what we've, what we've seen of him. Uh, he knows what he's doing out there. But it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from this injuries from this injury because different players come back differently from you know different types of injuries. So. Hopefully it doesn't affect the way he plays. No, definitely. I mean, uh, we make light of the situation that, you know, it is August and everyone is freaking out about a player who's really developing into more of a well-rounded guy with the team he's going to play with for the next season. Uh, It just shows you how slow the newsreel is. But then the real injury news breaks. And this one here, I would say it pissed me off. Um I listened to a couple of people talk about this and I, I kind of sided with one of them on the fact that I feel like it was more we before the team. I know it's your off season and we all have seen what Austin Matthews have, has done. He's been in the public eye a lot this off season, hanging out with Justin Bieber, going to UFC, he's doing a lot of different things, partying up, having a good time like a young man should. But here's the thing. You wait until the absolute draw dead moment to get that surgery done I know he's only going to miss a week at camp and it's Austin freaking Matthews. He knows what he's going to do for the season and how to come back. I don't like the selfishness of it. I don't. So it, it again, it, hang on one sec. It again to me portrays the fact of what everybody's been saying about these guys, where it's me before we with these guys. And that's, that's the notion we got from these guys a lot. And you hear the little whispers in the locker room. It's uh, me before we, and we'll get into the Nick Foligno comments in a little while. Um, but I'm wondering to you, I mean, you look at this, and I, and he waits until the last minute. Now he's going to be going into camp, not being able to participate in the you know conditioning drills and all those different things. And I know he'll get up to speed rather quickly, which is fine, but I don't like the optics of it. You know, get the surgery done when the season's done. He would have already been healed, still been able to do everything he wanted to do. I mean, to me, I just, I don't understand – you went through all of the therapy and stuff like that, I guess, to bring it along naturally. Um, when you yourself, he, he said it during the season, he'll have to get it taken care of in the offseason. So he already in his mind knew this was coming. I don't know why you wait this long. That's what pisses me off. I really think it's a selfish thing. And I know it's their offseason. They can do what the hell they want. But it really, really rubbed the salt in the uh, me before we thing that I've been talking about. Right. So there was a, I was on the same boat you were. I wasn't, I mean, I'm never going to tell a player how to take care of their own body, but um, there, when this news broke, I was kind of like, that's really odd timing considering training camp is, you know, five, six weeks away. And then I saw, you know, the Leafs put out some stuff. I read some stuff on the athletic and it sounds like he got this surgery because he had amped up his training. He had been skating for two to three weeks. And when he amped it up to take it into more intense, more intense gameplay situation, you no know, battles along the boards, harder shots, um, you know, increasing the amount of reps he was doing. That's when he started to feel the discomfort in his wrist again. And so he went back to, you know, his doctors, the Leafs doctors, and they said, yeah, you should get this surgery now 
um, instead of trying to deal with it into the off season, uh, into the regular season. So I understand that. Um, on the other hand, do, you know, was it this bad when the season ended? Could you have done it at the start of the summer? Sure. He might have been told something else, though. We don't know that. We, he could have been told, you know, it's it's something that needs rest, and you know, you're not playing hockey for, you know, two months. Uh, you know, you're obviously you're skating and training, but you're not playing NHL caliber hockey for two months. It, it'll heal your wrist. So, it I. I'm not going to hold it against him too much because I understand that once you do amp up your training, I've seen it firsthand injuries can come up, you know, you need to get it taken care of. So, and you know what, he's not going to miss any regular season time. So at the end of the day, that's where you need him. I don't care if he's playing against, you know, the senators on a Tuesday night in the preseason. No, listen, I, like I just said, I don't think that he's going to miss a beat after training camp and actually getting on the ice and doing what he needs to do. But we listened to him throughout last season that obviously rest made it feel better. Then he came back and played. It persisted. And his exact words were, this is something I'm going to need to get taken care of down the road, yeah. but not right now. So in my mind, they've already talked about the surgery. And I, I don't know. Oh, I, just, we don't, I don't you know, like, I don't, but, it, but those words that he said that I'm going to have to get it taken care of, that to me means surgery. That to me means getting it fixed. You know, however you're fixing it, it has to be done. I don't know. I just don't like the optics of it, especially after yeah. coming off of last season. And maybe we're still all just a little salty about these guys. I'm not begrudging the fact that he enjoyed his summer. I said that right off the hop. Mm-hmm. Go, oh, yeah, go ahead. Enjoy your summer. Do whatever the hell you want. But like yeah, when you say work. when you say do you know get getting taken care of, my shoulder's been dislocated seven, eight times. I still get pain in it. And when it starts to hurt again, like people notice this, like, oh, your shot's a little weaker or something. Yeah, it's my shoulder. I gotta go get it taken care of. And that for me is going back to physio for two, three weeks just to strengthen it back up or you know, taping it up. He could have been doing intensive physiotherapy for a month. We would we wouldn't know it. He's not gonna post on Instagram, like, hey guys, at physio today. Like we, we don't no, know what he's, know, know. you know, so, and players have, and I, I, I prefer this players have started to take the physio approach before surgery. We saw it with the McDavid injury where he pretty much rehabbed a torn PCL. Um, and he came back stronger, faster, better than ever. So Matthews might've been told by doctors, look, there is a chance you can do this with physiotherapy. And then when it didn't work, he felt discomfort and now he has to get the surgery. I mean, also, he scored 47 goals on a bum wrist, so, you know, can't take that away from the guy. No, no, and hey, listen, <laughs> I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying it just seems suspect, and I mean, we're all salty. And then you add this beautiful documentary that's coming out for the Maple Leafs, and, you know, how they dropped that with the, uh, you know, and we still lost, you know, that just reamplified everybody's pissed off feelings. We're not even going to get into that. Guys, drops October 1st, hope you watch it. I'm going to watch it, but right now I don't want to talk about it. I'm gonna uh, hate watch it. Yeah, you're gonna, gonna hate watch you. Gonna, Unless you know what, maybe, maybe they win you over to get you back into the season. Who knows? But mm-hmm. you know, you look at this Toronto Maple Leaf team, and I, I talk about the Austin Matthew thing at the last second because you know it looks like this team is still looking for off ice mentors. And there was an interview done with Nick Felino asking him, you know, why he chose Boston. Uh, not Columbus and not the wild and not other teams. We'll focus on the Maple Leafs. And really what he said was it came down to the fact that Kyle Dubas had the vision for him to be more of an off ice influence than an on ice influence. And his contribution wasn't going to be as big as Nick Foligno wanted to be for the Maple Leafs. They really wanted him to carve out that niche of being the, you know, father like presence around these guys and be that grizzled vet to show them what to do day to day. And he didn't want to do that. You know, he wanted to be able to be a focal point for this team to be, you know, a big person within that lineup, not just in the locker room or off the ice. And that was something that swayed him away from, you know, being with the Maple Leafs. And that to me says, you know, I think some of these veterans are tired of being babysitters or being brought in to be babysitters, you know, and it started with Marlowe and Hainsey. And then you keep moving forward. And then it was Joe Thornton and, you know, Jason Spezza and all these guys, right? There's guys that stayed, but I think some guys don't want that role. They want to be, they want to have their identity as their identity, not as the guys that take care of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and et cetera, you know, and, and be their, you know, lack of better terms, father figure on the team. Right. And that there hearing that from Nick Foligno, you know, that he didn't want to be that 
and didn't like that that was what was going to be offered to him. And he went somewhere else. And obviously we got some guys that we think can fill that void of Nick Foligno and Zach Hyman to an extent, you know, because of that, because of the contract, obviously Nick Foligno signed with the Boston Bruins. What I want to know from you, what do you think? Do you, you know, is that problematic that Kyle Dubas is really shopping, you know, being an off ice mentor and babysitter, so to speak to those guys, to free agents or guys you're trying to bring back that are veterans. I think this was blown way out, way out of proportion. And, um, people who read it took the quote the wrong way saying that you'd be an off ice mentor was like, Oh, you're not going to play any games. Like, no, the dude was still obviously going to play games, but also Nick Foligno wanting to be, you know, one of the guy, like the guy on the Leafs. It sounded like that's not you, buddy. In 2019, 2020, you played 67 games at 31 points. And then you followed that up with a 49 game season last year, split between the Leafs and the blue jackets where you had 20 points like and you were injured when we needed you the most so you're 33 you're on a 3.8 million dollar cap hit that's a lot of money to pay for somebody in an off-ice role um it just wasn't a fit i don't think it's either party's fault as lou lamarella once said it's an unfortunate set of circumstances it's nobody's fault but it's going to be one of those things that gets blown out of proportion if the leafs fail again and you know they quote you know lack of leadership in the locker room or whatever but you know what the leadership's there. Morgan Riley's your leader. You know, Jack Campbell, he can be a leader. You have TJ Brody's a leader. Jake Muzzin's a leader, right? Matthews at this point is a leader. John Tavares is still there. You don't need any more leaders in that dressing room. I'm sure we all know the saying, too many cooks in the kitchen. You don't want yep. too many voices in the change room. You want, you know, someone to look to, someone who shows you how to be a pro day to day. And the definition of pro is John Tavares. So as long as you have him in there and he's wearing the C on the jersey and showing the guys how to play, you don't need Nick Foligno on your team. His run with the Leafs was underwhelming, and I, I think if he came back, he it would have been somewhat of the same, uh, maybe slightly improved performance. So I, you know what? Say what you want. Go over to the dark side and go play with Taylor Hall and your buddies over there. So enjoy it in Boston, Nick. Yeah, no. Like I said, for me, I agree with you with too many cooks in the kitchen. Um I just don't, I don't know. I want veterans Sorry. to come here. I want guys that want to chase the cup. I want them to come here, but I don't want them to come here under the premise of that, you know, and yeah, you know, but- that's, that's the thing that you, you look at the, the direct thing was uh, it came down to the fact that Toronto Maple Leafs likely want to Felino to be more of a role player without expected to contribute a lot, which you just touched on. He probably does mm-hmm. want to contribute, even though he probably can't contribute to the level he used to. He yeah, probably yeah. still wants to be able to be thought of as a guy who will contribute, you know, on the ice and do things. Same thing with Jason Spezza. Everybody, you know, wrote him to be just a fourth line guy that'll chip in some points and be a good name, a good veteran on this team. He chipped in a lot of points and actually did really well in the playoffs. So, yep. you know, these guys want to be able to be, you know, counted on. And it just, from what it sounds like, that wasn't coming from Toronto. And obviously, like you said, he's going to go over the dark side and, you know, Boston has more of a, a role and responsibility for him. Well, good, good luck. You know, obviously I said it last week when we had Terry Koshan on, you know, the guy is slower than Nick Ritchie. The guy is, you know, obviously aging and his back was his biggest problem, which I don't know about you, but when your back starts to go, it, you don't get control when it goes. No, it's going to be a problem a lot for him. I think next season and Bruins fans are going to be the ones stuck with that, you know? Yeah. I mean, his back probably hurts from carrying Columbus all those years, but I mean, shots fired. But uh, yeah, like also, I think this is blown way out of proportion. If this happened in Florida, nobody's talking about it. So enjoy your summers, guys. Just saying. Hey, speaking of Florida and speaking of veteran Maple Leaf players, Florida went out and got Mr. Jumbo Joe and brought him along for the ride. I mean, I understand wanting to have a player like that in your lineup because jumbo joe brings it you know i i I said this last year to you and i said this to everybody with jumbo joe i really think they need to limit his games you know and especially down the stretch i think you need to give that guy a rest and a lot of people even david alter told us you know oh well you know you gotta let him play you know he'll tell you if he needs to come out of the lineup well i think you have to protect somebody from themselves some points and, you know, know better than they know because he's an athlete. Of course, he's going to want to play. Yeah. But you got to pause, press pause and let him rejuvenate because we all seen him slow down, mm-hmm. you know, and he wasn't able to do what he was able to do in the first 15 games, 
for the last remaining games. He wasn't able to be that person. And the juice wasn't there in the playoffs either. The, the bite, the growl just wasn't there. I mean, if they reeled him back a bit, which I hope Florida does, but they didn't pay him league men either. You know, they paid him a pretty decent amount of money for a guy that's going to be probably on your third or fourth line, unless, unless they do what Toronto did and try to get the most out of him on the top line. But Hey, I'm happy for jumbo. It's down in Florida. You know, that's where, you know, normal people from Toronto go to retire and, you know, soak up the sun. So he went the right route. He's now a snowbird. Let him live down there and do his thing. He, uh, he is on league men. He's on league men. Yeah. Seven fifty. I thought it was more than that. I thought it was no. 1.9. Nope. Seven fifty. Okay. Well, there you go. Sorry. Sorry, Joe. You took league men and went down to Florida. So you retired. I don't hate that. Package. Like, I don't hate that for them. Though. I don't like, hate that, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta, it's the same thing with here in Toronto. I, I really do feel the lure of the name Joe Thornton kept him in the lineup more than it should have. You know, well, no, I just think that you should have limited his minutes. I, I have yeah. no problem with Joe Thornton, but I really think when he started to slow down that, you know, the brass should have said, okay, we're going to put you on ice for a few games or we're going to let you, you know, yeah. rejuve a little, you know, have a little fun, you know, take your foot off the gas. I know you're an athlete, but you need to come back up to speed, you know? Yeah. And also, Something we don't factor in for Joe Thornton, he was playing hockey before all of these guys were last year. Mm-hmm. He was on the ice in Sweden playing. So he was already playing meaningful hockey games over there and then came over here. So we'll see what happens this year. But, you know, happy trails to Jumbo Joe. Glad a team picked him up. Um, I don't think that Florida is going to go as far as people think they're going to go, especially with the goaltending combination of Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight. Uh, Knight will probably have some good moments. But I really think that Chris Trieger was somebody that helped that team along. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the, the net provision. But we also know for Bobrovsky, he's a year-on, year-off kind of guy. So maybe next year is his year-on. I'm just looking at Jumbo Joe's stats here. And in his final year of uh, AAA for the Elgin Middlesex Chiefs, I guess, Phantom AAA, he, had, he played 67 games. He had 83 goals, 85 assists for 168 points. That's it? That's it. 168 points in 67 games in your triple uh, a final triple a year so that's pretty good not too bad i mean same thing happened the year that he got traded from boston to san jose you know yep. he went out he went on to win some hardware as well so joe knows what to do i mean i again like i said i don't begrudge his time in toronto i just begrudge the fact that you know sheldon keith and co didn't see the fact they need to put him on ice for a little bit and let him rest up we could have got some guy with bite. But speaking of the on-ice product for the Toronto Maple Leafs, something not a lot of people are talking about is the goaltending situation with Toronto beyond Petamarazic and Jack Campbell. We know they are tabbed to be the duo, the combo, the splitters, whatever you want to call them for next season. But beyond that, what do the Leafs have? And you can say, well, they have Michael Hutchinson, but we all know how hot and cold he is. Yes, he had a great little run with the Colorado Avalanche, but what does he usually bring for the Toronto Maple Leafs? It's not a whole lot of uh, warm and fuzzies for Leaf fans, and you can agree with that or disagree, but beyond him, where do you go? You know, if you don't want to put Hutchinson in, which the Leafs, by the way, did not want to do last mm-hmm. year as they went out and got David Riddich. So do you put in Joseph Wool, who really hasn't shown very much? Do you put in Ian Scott, who really hasn't played a hockey game in the past couple of years because of hip surgery? I see Scott starting in the ECHL. I see Joseph Wool battling with the name that I'm about to say, which is Colligren, a guy that was uh, drafted by the Arizona Coyotes in 2015 and really impressed the Leafs brass by doing what he's been doing the past couple of years. And listen to this. Um, this is pretty beautiful. He put up a 930 save percentage in 10 games on his way to the SHL championship with Vax Show. And uh, he made some pretty big stops. And that's from Nick Richard on the old Twitter sphere. Yeah, this guy he had, here, that season too, he had a 2.37 goals against at a 911 save percentage. So pretty good. That was in 21 games in the regular season. I guess he got majority of the starts in the playoffs. Yep, and he did, and he won uh, the – he's also teammates with the MVP of that team, which is fellow East prospect uh, Pontus Holmberg. Mm-hmm. But this guy here, 
looks like has an opportunity because the week's goal, the Leafs goaltending situation is not strong. We've drafted a couple of guys over the past couple of years, but it's not a position of strength as of yet. There's guys that are coming along, but I think this guy here has the fast track to at least battle in camp for the starting job for the Marlies or at least split the starts with Joseph Wool. And I think it'll be him and Wool. And I think it'll come down between Hutchinson and this guy here to come up and, and fill in when Mrazic's hurt or Campbell's hurt, which we know is going to happen. Goalies get hurt. Or you maybe want to put a goaltender in because somebody's playing too much or whatever the ball is rolling on. But this guy here has a serious chance. And I want to know for you, you look down the Leafs goaltending chart. Do you see anybody above him, obviously Mrazic and Gamble, but beyond those two that are is going to usurp this guy if he comes in and has a stellar camp, which is what the Leafs are betting on? Yeah, this year, no. But I think for this goaltending setup the Leafs have, you're looking two, three years from now. Mm. I think a guy like Ian Scott, once he gets back on the ice and is feeling good, he had a pretty substantial hip surgery, I believe. And he, oh, yeah. uh, since the end of 2019, he's only played six games, which isn't a lot. Uh, it's barely anything, to be honest. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he rebounds after that surgery. But uh, in his last year of junior with the Prince Albert Raiders, he played 49 games and had a 9-3-2 save percentage, which was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, then in 2020-2021, he did play one AHL game. Uh, I think he let in four goals, and he played five, five ECHL games, I believe, where he also had a similar uh, goals against. But I'm not going to hold that against him too much just because he is coming off a of surgery and he's playing at a higher level than he's used to. I think once he starts to see more pucks in the minors, he will kind of catch up. Then I look at a guy like Joseph Wall. He has some AHL experience. He also played on the uh, Prince Albert Raiders. What a sec here. Oh, my computer froze. Am I still there? You're still here, buddy. Still here. Okay, we're good. Yeah, so, um, you know, Joseph Wall. He's a, a solid prospect. Sorry, I messed my screen froze here. So Boston College, uh, yeah. he played there. Uh, he had, you know, 30 games, 915 save percentage. The next season, 37 games, 919 save percentage. And then with the Marlies in his most recent season, uh, the one that just passed, he played 15 games and put up an 892, which isn't awful uh, for a goaltender in his second year in the AHL. You see similar numbers to guys like that. Uh, you know, maybe Wall's the answer. Could be Ian Scott, could be the guy you were talking about, but um, we'll, we'll see. I, I like the idea of uh, of Eric Calgren. I, I think he's going to be a prospect for the Leafs. I don't think he'll ever be a starter, but a backup, it's a possibility. Well, I mean, but that's what we're looking for here, right? I'm not, I'm not anointing him to be a starter for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which everybody, just so you know, let's put the new panic into the world. Jack Campbell needs a contract after this season, just putting that out there. And if he goes out and has a season like he did last year, you know, the man's going to want to get paid. So we'll see where that goes. But I'm just saying this season here, you look at the depth in the organization, you know, they were not happy with what Hutchinson brought last year. Nobody can tell you that they were because they went out and got David Ridge. That's how scared they were of having to put that guy in. I should say scared, but not confident in his no, game. Scared, scared is the word. <laughs> I'm not trying to bash him too much. He might want to come on sometime. You never know. Um, but I got, look some, at, I got some questions for him. <laughs> but you look at this stuff, right? And you, you see them go and get David Riddish. So now you're looking, you see this guy get signed, and you're like, okay, what's the deal here? Why? And then you do some digging. Numbers are good. He's progressed the right way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's every season he's gotten better, which is what you want to see. Every step up in competition, he's gotten better as well. So hopefully this year in the AHL, when he comes in for training camp and he maybe wins the uh, split job or whatever with the Marlies. We see good numbers, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, that's all you want to see out of a prospect or somebody you're trying to bring along is good numbers and solid performance, and then we'll go from there. But I do think that he has the fast track to coming in behind Mrazic or Campbell if one of them get hurt. I don't know if he ever gets into a game, but he might ride the bench at the NHL level. We'll see. Oh, but none of these none of these guys can be the Leafs' third goalie this year. The Leafs do need to sign a couple more goaltenders because you got to fill out uh, you got to fill out your ECHL team too. 
And they, uh, unlike other NHL teams, uh, the Leafs do use their ECHL team as a developmental tool. They don't just throw guys down there. They yep. put guys in there to develop. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see, like, I, I would I would not be shocked if Ian Scott's down in the EH, ECHL just to get back into the swing of it. Ian Scott is. He's starting in the ECHL this year. Yeah, so th- there you go. So that now you need another goalie because usually on your AHL team, you got three goalies signed because you have triple headers. So, well, I know that they have, um, they have Joseph Wool. They, they have Cogger now. And there's another guy that I don't remember his name. He signed as well. I'm, I have their roster up and they don't have anybody officially signed. So it might be an AHL deal, but yeah, for the, well, they, for the they, step they, chart. But. Nothing. Anyways, we'll look at that when it shakes out. We'll see who it is in camp because obviously they'll they'll be there and on the yeah. list, which yeah, will be. Is... Curtis Gabriel said what uh, August twenty or September twenty second is when camp's going to be. So a week before that, we'll probably have the camp roster who's coming and who's invited. This so is prime we'll... prime August hockey talk for you. Hey man, this is what you got to do. You got to pay the oh, bills. Yeah. You have some fun, right? Make oh, sure yeah. people remember the name when the season does start. Um, another funny thing that did go down today, <clears throat> this is the, uh, the power of podcasting. Um, I believe it's the blue shirt breakaways podcast celebrated. I think it's their 300th episode by purchasing a billboard in Buffalo. This was fantastic. So, and it was, uh, you know, aren't trade requests a pain in the neck, you know, hashtag free Jack Eichel. Yeah. Obviously we know that the New York Rangers fans probably really want this guy on their squad. Um, a lot of things seem to point to either them or Vegas being the teams to pick them up. Uh, there was rumblings about the Kraken, but I don't think that's going to get Kraken no. anytime soon, uh, pun intended. But you look at the uh, the New York Rangers, and I say, you know, well, well done, fans, well done. Yeah, because that was good. It, it goes back to like when the Ottawa Senators fans bought the uh, billboards in Ottawa to get Melnick out. Yeah, you know, I love those kind of things. I love fan movement. Um, it goes like the same thing with uh, Artemi Panarin. I believe it's the vodka company in Columbus offered him free vodka for life if he stayed in uh, ZBJ. So, yeah. you know, the power of media, no matter if it's on social media or traditional billboard media, I think that's hilarious. Um, just wanted to point that one out because this thing needs to come to a head. Everybody wants to know what's going to happen with Jack Eichel. And we talked about it last week. You don't want a cloud hanging over your organization. And now you've got other organizations, fans clowning you within your own city. Yeah. So, you know, you got to get something done, get that ball moving, get that thing settled and dealt with before the season starts. Hey, you guys are chasing after Shane, Wright. Just get into that mode and get going. You know, 100%, 100%. that billboard was great though. That gave me a laugh. Oh yeah. Well, again, prime August hockey talk right there, but mm-hmm. absolutely uh, what needs to be talked about. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, take a look at this, uh, go check out Ryan Mead on Twitter. Uh, if you want to see the picture, I'll make sure to post a link to it. Um, obviously a lot of things getting settled up with uh, some arb, you know, talk going on. Kevin Fiala signs his deal. Uh, I think there's only two left. I think it's Sandheim and someone else uh, left to do their arbitration deals, but, Fiala got a one-year, $5.1 million deal out of the Minnesota Wild. So, you know, enjoy your money, sir. And UC Saros finally signed a deal. So I know Matt, uh, Max Ritzy, friend of the podcast, doing the squad cast tonight. They got Ross Stripling on. Pretty cool. Um, you know, he's a huge Predators fan. Does some writing yeah, for them. Yeah. So C. Saros signed. Absolutely kick-ass. But um, let's keep her moving right along. For you, you wanted to talk about uh, the the women's worlds tonight, and we're definitely going to dive into that here in just a second. But we wanted to do a shout out um, to the Gatineau Olympic and bringing in you know, this young lady here. Um, she's a top U18 women's goalie. Uh, she gets an invite to the camp. Absolutely cool. Um, Eve Gascon, I believe that's how you say it. Gascon is going to be going to the Gatineau Olympics camp. Um, absolutely cool. Comes off the heels of that young lady, Curry, getting drafted by, I believe it was a yep. Sarnia Sting. Yep. Um, you definitely want to see this. And I want to see more of this. Having two daughters, I always want them to feel that there is nothing in the world that can stop them from attaining anything they want to do. Mm-hmm. And this just shows that we're progressing in the way that, hey, maybe, maybe this is the way to go. Obviously, if you can play top level, 
you should be playing top level. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, now, will there always be things that I personally, I think, should be divided? I don't think that when you see the UFC, I don't think you should see a guy versus a girl. <laughs> I don't think that that works out well. And I'm not saying that to be sexist, rude, or anything like that. I'm not putting that out there like that. But just the way that it goes, you tell me you want to see, um, you know, Ronda Rousey versus um, what? Jose Alvarez. Connor, well, no, Ronda Rousey, same weight class as Conor McGregor. Yeah. You, you know, would you want to see that fight? I No, I wouldn't. And, you know, is there always a chance that things can happen? Yes. But I believe that, you know, basketball, baseball, hockey, traditional sports, I think that if you're good enough to be at that level, you should be good enough to play at that level. There should be no barriers in your way. I think we are really close. And by really close, I mean five to ten years to seeing a, uh, a women's hockey player in the nhl you know what uh, that'd be perfect why why not you know yeah you know and the other thing too is and a uh, huge proponent of the the women's hockey leagues that are out there you got the dream gap tour going on uh you also have the nwhl that's just building momentum as well mm -hmm. um you know we've had plenty of people come through offside from the nwhl shout out to uh soroya tinker shout out to tori sullivan boston pride cup champ right there um, but, you know, you look at this and you say, you know, why not? Some of these girls put in just as much time, just as much effort, and the pay and the balance isn't there. So to see this from the Gatineau Olympique, cool, the Sarnia Sting drafting that young goaltender, you know, and that's what we should be saying, young goaltender, you know, to join their organization, absolutely kick ass. And I think if you put in the work and you're good enough, you should be in those leagues, hands down, no problem. Yeah. And that, that leads us into this. I mean, we have the Women's World Championships that should be here in Halifax. Sadly, it's not. But I know Calgary will do a, you know, bang-up job doing this. Um, what are you looking forward to most, Josh, about the, the Women's World Championships? Can't wait to see it kick off. Can't wait to see Team Canada versus Team USA. That's one matchup. Sw uh, Sweden and Finland, can't wait to see that. Almost called it Swindland. Um, <laughs> yeah, trust me, it's that whole not sleeping thing again. But um, what are you looking forward to most out of this? And for you, is there someone you have pegged that you're seeing that might be a breakout player that's going to put themselves on that, you know, next level echelon as a player that, whether it's for the U.S., Sweden, Finland, Canada, that's going to be that next level person that you want to follow along and see what's going on? Well, I think the main story here is because we're both based in Canada. Um, Canada hasn't won gold here for, you know, nine years. Uh, it's, it's one of those st stats you look at, it's like, wow, really? Cause we have all these Olympic golds, but we just can't seem to get it done at the world championships. Uh, the roster is looking really, really good, but it's going to take a collective performance, especially against the USA team that just looks phenomenal. Again, even Finland looks top notch. Sweden's bringing their best players. Finland took USA to overtime uh, a couple of years ago. And that was a controversial finish where Finland did score in overtime at home and the referee reversed the decision. I could go on about that for hours, how they should have just let it stand. But, yep. you know, uh, Canada's got some, Good, you know, good players coming in. We got the key players. Obviously, we have Marie-Philippe Poulon. She's coming off a of surgery. Um, and she was phenomenal on the PWHPA's Dream Gap Tour, uh, yep. especially especially in Calgary. She lit thing up, things up there. Erin Ambrose, she's phenomenal on the defensive side of things. We have so many up-and-coming players on the blue line, too. But she's just somebody back there who's going to hold that blue line down. And... You know, it was it was in question if she was going to make this team because she was cut in 2017, but she's improved a ton since then. So I think she's going to be uh, a staple on that blue line. And then looking at the young side, we have um, we have filler. She's coming in from the NCAA. She still has two years left of her eligibility. She won the ECAC player of the year and she's been on this team for a couple of years now. So she's not quite a rookie, but she still falls under that definition of rookie. She, every shift she's on there, dominating in tight areas. She's just bringing it out. I, I, and she's been playing with Poulon, so obviously they think very highly of her. Yep. I just think this this Canadian team is going to do some – Not, I wouldn't necessarily do some damage because I still think USA is the better team just with the players they are bringing. Uh, I'll get to them in a second. But they're going to – give some teams some scares like they obviously i think they're going to beat finland they're going to beat sweden they're going to beat these other teams at the tournament uh usa are they better than usa no are they better than usa if they play their best yes probably um but 
we'll see what happens here. Just looking at the U.S. team, uh, they have uh, obviously Alex Carpenter's coming back. Kendall Coyne is going to be on the team again. Brianna Decker's there. Amanda Kessel, Hillary Light. Like this team's just loaded. Kayla Barnes, Megan Keller, and then in net, obviously Alex Cavini, Nicole Hensky, and Aaron Frankel. Those are just three of the best women's goaltenders in the world, right there. Uh, and they're bringing them all. So that this USA team is going to be really, really hard to beat. And I. I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to seeing some of these other teams play um, because there's some teams at this tournament that we haven't seen play hockey in a while. Like uh, the, the field here, we're going 10 teams, USA, Canada, Finland. Uh, those are your top three powerhouses in women's hockey. But then you get into Russia, Switzerland, Japan, uh, Czech, Germany, Denmark, and Hungary. So it's going to be interesting to see how these teams stack up. And then the format of the tournament is I'm reading this directly off the ice garden because I could not figure out this format for the life of me in my own words. Uh, so this is courtesy of the icegarden.com. The 10 teams are split into two groups, group A and B. Group A includes uh, USA, Finland, Canada, and Russia, and then also Switzerland. And then group B is everybody else. That's Japan, Czech Republic, Germany, Denmark, and Hungary. Group play is round robin where each country faces the other team in its respective pool. After that, all five countries in group A and the top three countries in group B will advance to the quarterfinals with seeding based on group play results. The quarterfinal winners advance to the semis with the others moving to knockout placement games with the winner claiming first place and moving up to group A for the next women's world. So it's a little bit of a different format where teams, the lower ranked teams are in group B, but they are three of them are guaranteed a quarterfinal berth while they put the top five teams in group A and all of them are guaranteed a quarterfinal berth. So I kind of like that, that we will see some different teams in the quarterfinal and some fresh matchups instead of just your typical Canada, USA, Canada, or Canada, Sweden, Sweden, USA, Canada, Finland, right? We're going to be seeing Canada, Hungary, possibly, you know, USA, Japan. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament, fantastic hockey, all the games on TSN. I'm really excited for it. August hockey isn't so bad. No, August hockey, this, this will get everybody talking and it'll whet the appetite for everything else. But this here for me has always been a table setter event for the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing that I'm worried about for Canada, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the way that I feel. I feel goaltending is not our strongest point here. Um, I right. don't think that this is the best goaltending field Canada's had. Um, I believe it was uh, Zapados was, um, you know, one of the best goaltenders we had for a long while, if I'm not wrong. Um, you know, Shana, I think it's Shannon Zapados. But, you know, you have to believe in what, what you have. And Team Canada always believes in the fact that we, you know, do all the right things. We prepare the right way. Um, you look at some of the players on there. You talk about Murray, Philippe Poulin, but you talk, you know, Natalie Spooner. You know, a lot of these yeah. different players that are, are starting to make a name for themselves through the, the Green, Dream Gap Tour, right? And you know, going Sarah, out to those Sarah, and Sarah Nurse. Sarah yeah, Nurse, yeah, yeah, making noise. Kristen O'Neill. So, th th so there's some players on this team for sure. They're, you know, they're not as house name as, you know, a Kendall Cole and Schofield or, you know, Kessel or Knight or those kind of players. But, you know, I like it the fact that these players here in Canada, they are starting to build their brand and build their name. And that is only going to help Team Canada because once you start establishing those name players, you know, it helps for, you know, teams trying to focus in and game plan and allows Team Canada to do what they've done so well throughout the Olympics, which is win throughout the lineup. They don't rely just on one or two or three players mm -hmm. like, you know, most NHL teams do or most teams that have star power. So, I mean, we named off all the good players on the U.S. You know, that's who you have to game plan around. But for Team Canada, it's always been a group mentality is yeah. what I'm trying to say. And I think that going into this tournament, that will be the same thing again. And I'm really looking for, you know, Jill Sonye and those kind of players to step up and take a ne the next level role. Um, I'm with you in the fact that I like the fresh matchups and things like that that are going to shake out. But at the end of the day, we pretty much, and it's sad to say it this way, know what four teams are going to be in the finals. You yes, know? but, you know, you know what four teams are going to be in there. But we saw, I, I think it was 2018, where we had USA-Finland in the final. And Finland won that game. It was just reversed yeah. by a poor a poor uh, review, right? So I believe it was 2018. You know, block yeah. me on block me on Twitter if I'm wrong. I don't go ahead. But um, <laughs> you know, they should have upheld that decision. That would have been fantastic for women's hockey. Like, holy shit, Finland beat the, next the number step. one. The next step, right? And now, 
I wouldn't say you put hockey back by having USA win that tournament, but you probably, you know, it's a better story if Finland wins it. And, yeah. you know, should there have been a little bit of, you know, bias in making that decision? Sure, maybe. Like, USA was going to win another title, but when is Finland going to win another title on home ice in overtime again? Probably never. So. No, I agree with you. And, yeah, that was debated so badly by everyone. I think it would have been the perfect ending. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Leave it alone. Would the U.S. have cried? Yes. But big whoop de doo yeah. They win every other time. So, here, let them have that. Don't but, get over uh, it. You know what? I can't wait for this to get started. Get started this weekend, actually. Yeah. So can't wait to see this all kick off. Um, if you're a betting man, Josh, I got to ask you: Is Team Canada going to finally break that gold medal or gold breakdown where they haven't been able to pick one up? I think they will this year. I think Canada is the team that you put your money on. This team seems to be a collective unit, as instead of not, not as not instead of a bunch of individuals. I said that wrong. They seem to be more cohesive than they have been in the past years. The Olympics are next year. Uh, unlike the NHL, we know that these ladies are going. This is their get ready for it because yeah. it, it sounds it sounds silly, but the Olympic medal means a whole lot more than the World Championship. This is your get ready tournament, so they're going to want to show these other teams. This is what you're dealing with when we show up. This is what this is what we look like. Don't underestimate us. Sure, we haven't won gold for here in nine years, but this is what we are going to be bringing to the Olympics. Game plan for this because we're coming in, we're taking your gold, and we're going home with it. Listen, I can see like John Cena said, I'm taking your gold, I'm running to the crowd, I'm hopping the barricade, and I might even blow you a kiss. Listen, we will we will talk about that in just a moment. We definitely will. We'll get into a little bit of a wrestling chit chat here at the end of this, but um I really do see Team Canada picking this up. I, I see the victory happening for them. And I really – I want it to happen for so many reasons just because of the fact the cancel tournament here in Halifax, everything getting postponed. I know what happened to everyone in this tournament, but I really want them to win this on home ice and to, yeah. to take it and just, just run with that ball and enjoy it. Um, but we'll see. You know, this is uh, I don't know, pandemic year, everything's screwed up, you know. You know, we come out of this, maybe uh, maybe Japan wins and wins gold and sets the world on its head. Which, you know what? Excuse my language. That, that would be fucking awesome. <clears throat> Absolutely. Absolutely. So tune in this weekend. Starts this weekend. Get excited. Get pumped. Get behind Team Canada and the girls. But, hey, this Friday night in Chicago. Chi-town. Listen, I will tell you right now. Anybody who knows me knows I love a good ref a wrestling reference. I love a good promo. I love watching things. And everything seems to be coming together. You just referenced John Cena using the uh, good old CM Punk blowing a kiss in 2014 when he took the title in Van Moost. Um, now i got to ask you the question. Yeah. I love some wrestling, so let's go. AEW is bringing the noise. They're rejuvenating the wrestling rivalry as much as WWE doesn't think so. They are bringing new blood, new ideas, new ways of doing things. People are getting excited about wrestling again. I got to ask, on Friday night, Chicago, Illinois, in front of the big, big lights, big fans, everything that's going down, all the noise, all of the hoopla, CM Punk is playing into it. Do we see... CM Punk debut, and do we see Daniel Bryan debut as well, or Bryan Danielson, as he's known as, on AEW television? And here's the further point. Will there be more surprises? Tony Khan himself said that this is going to be a spectacular night like no other in the wrestling business. This mm -hmm. is going to shift things. So you shift things by bringing in CM Punk. You should oh, you, bring you. in uh, Daniel Bryan. But is there more? I well, feel there is more. Yeah. So uh, we have a wrestling podcast over at uh, Orion Sportscast called Orion's Belt. Check it out if you want to. Uh, if not, then don't check it out. It won't hurt my feelings. But we've been talking about check this for, <laughs> we've been talking about this for like a month now. There's been, it all started with the CM Punk mummerings. It, Honestly, it's a lock that he debuts at Rampage on Friday. Would it have been cool if they kept it a secret? Yeah, but now the hype's there. The pop's going to be really, really loud, especially in his hometown of Chicago. Like, it's going to be absolutely amazing. They've been teasing it with the best of the world promos. 
Daniel Bryan, I'm not so sure of. If he comes out, I think it would be at All Out in a post-match beatdown or something. I don't think they would have him on the same night as Punk because you want Punk as your main draw. Uh, so, you know, a Daniel Bryan, you know, we haven't seen Punk in, you know, nine-plus years. Uh, Daniel Bryan, we saw wrestle earlier this year. So you, you kind of don't want him to be overshadowed by Punk. Uh, so you would probably see him come at All Out. And then there's another name floating around because apparently a man known as Brock Lesnar has been referenced to be signed with a wrestling promotion who is not run by Vince McMahon. So, you know, he's not going to Impact. He's not going to Ring of Honor. Could he go over to New Japan? He's been there before, maybe, but I doubt it. The only other North American major promotion is AEW. I thought he was debuting last week because the, the show's named freaking rampage like that's the perfect title for brock lesnar debut on does he end back up in the wwe yeah most likely they can give him the biggest paycheck but you know put that doubt of that seed of doubt in your mind that brock lesnar is not necessarily an a uh, as wwe superstar anymore we could be seeing him do some very very good matchups in aew so i'm really There's excited another, this. Another, another guy that kind of catches my attention and really could hold the uh, hold the heavyweight title. Doesn't have to talk a lot. Just a very big, strong man. That's Braun Strowman. I don't know when his uh, is done, but he's another guy. No, listen, you do that, but you know what? With the proper booking, as we've seen with some companies. Yeah, I I, I think it was the, the booking. Right I I kind of got sour of him near the end, but you know what? A, a bu- booking makes a huge difference. It make it makes such a big difference. Like Ray Wyatt says hi. Yeah, that's another name. I totally forgot that. That's another name where he could you know pop up it won't be for a while because he probably has a 90 day no compete i think he's going back to the w I, I gotta ask you that question okay so i understand they sign these contracts with the 90 day don't compete i think if the company lets you go that non-compete should not be there they let you go you should you could, be able to go work so yeah you could probably win that in court but it would take longer than 90 days oh no i know i did but to me in my mind i think if they're letting you go then you should be free to go now, yeah. if you ask for your release, they have every right to say no, 90 days. Yeah. But if they're releasing you and you have no, you know, say in it, then you should be able to go look for work immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, that's for, very cool. I think Bray Wyatt ends up back in the WWE for that. I, so part of me thinks it's a work. You, for him, it was money. There's too much money. And they're trying yeah, to say money. Part of me thinks it's a work. I don't know why, but I, I think he's, uh, I don't think he's actually released. Well, we'll see. I mean, that wouldn't that be a sweet one to show up, you know, once yeah. once Daniel Bryan debuts and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe a month or two later, just some dark vignettes start happening. And, you know, it's uh, Bray Wyatt, you know, in some sort of monster character mm-hmm. coming after, you know, the nightmare that chases Daniel Bryan. You know, I chased yeah. you all over before and I'll chase you again. You know, that sure. would That'd be, be awesome. awesome. That'd be so good. But I also want to like... Like I've been a wrestling fan since I was seven. Like I, I and, and and nothing nothing drew me in quite as much as the SmackDown run between 2007 and 2011, where you know Jeff Hardy had the title, Undertaker was feuding with Batista, CM Punk, Edge. Like those were the days uh, when Mark Henry came in and destroyed the Undertaker, and then Edge cashed in. Like I think that's the first time I swore in front of my parents. So. You know, that will be etched in my brain forever. And like that interest for me was super high. Like every Friday night I was in front of the TV to watch SmackDown. Every Tuesday morning I was up an hour before I was supposed to be so I could watch Raw because Raw back then was 9 to 11. I was young, I had to be in bed. But, um, you know, my interest is, it's not quite as peaked right now, but it is for this week because obviously we got Rampage, we got, uh, we got, raw tonight which i haven't even seen what's going on so i'll watch that after this raw's been decent smackdown was phenomenal last week Uh, i know you said it was only carried by the one segment but i thought the whole delivery of the show was pretty good has wasn't the best but it was good uh dynamite's always amazing nxt needs to step it up a little bit but we also got a takeover event this weekend and we got SummerSlam, and we're building the wall out so wrestling's in a pretty good place right now hopefully all these companies can deliver and it just goes to show competition is good aew is trying to one-up wwe wwe is trying to one-up aew so keep fighting it out because we're benefiting from it that's the best you know what the, yeah. you need competition when you have no competition you run the monopoly and you can yeah. basically do what you want, which is a watered-down product, which the WWE had. Every yeah. time WWE's had somebody to feud with, 
whether it was WCW, the small fat with ECW, they never messed with TNA because TNA was never nothing. Uh, you know, they were, you know, but I look at it right now and this is, you know, I can't wait for Friday. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the Roman Reigns, John Cena promos. I love that stuff. Oh, it so good. Me, it reminds me of the rock and John Cena back in the day when they're going after each other, you know, and just, mm-hmm. just the real life feuding and bickering. Um, you know, I, I love the on the mic stuff that CM Punk can do. Um, I love the mic drops or pipe bombs and all that, that he was doing, you know, when he was with the Nexus and then basically almost on his way out and just carving everybody love that stuff. And that's what I can't wait to see in AEW. It's going to happen this Friday, guys. I know you tune in for hockey, but we are everything fans here. Now, you know, we won't get to do this very much during the season, but again, it's August hockey so we are going to talk about some things that are big news, which is obviously AEW's debuts, WWE stepping it up. Cannot freaking wait till Friday to mark out like a seven-year-old child again when CM Punk's music hits. Hey, I, I, marked, I marked out this Friday when Christian won the title. So uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. I was in the same boat. I said to my wife, I said, Christian Cage! Christian it was, Cage! It was actually pretty, like, uh, obviously I watched SmackDown before, and it was the first time I've watched SmackDown live in, like, three months. I uh, just was able to because of my schedule, and my wife was sitting next to me, and she hates that I watch wrestling, but, like, she'll pay attention. Like, I'll pay attention to Teen Mom, too, so she'll watch the wrestling, yep. like, on her phone. And Cena came out, and she knows the whole, like, Moxley, Ambrose backstory not as much as I thought she did because he goes, you ran uh, Cena goes and you ran Dean Ambrose out of the WWE. And she kind of looked at me and goes, can he say that? I'm like, what, you know that? <laughs> so that's yeah. how good that promo was. Yeah, no, that was an amazing promo. And I love, I love the fact that they were able to do that without scripts. Mm-hmm. Apparently neither of them seen each other behind, you know, uh, backstage before all that happened or anything like that. So there was yeah. no, you know, anything. It was all right in that ring. And, the Nikki Bella shot from from uh, Roman Reigns. You know, you done missionary for fifteen years. And, pro- and props to Reigns for you know doing it because they did that at No Mercy in twenty seventeen a week before. And you know, Reigns totally lost himself. And all the people remember this. And Cena said, "It's called a promo, kid. If you want to be the big dog, you got to get good at him." That's how bad his promo was. So, yeah, all, all he could respond with was, "Shut your mouth, John." It's like, okay, good one, Roman. <laughs> yeah no he's gotten a lot better on the mic and that was one knock against roman reigns and maybe that's why paul Heyman has been so attached to him just to yeah. grow that aspect of his game because we all know brock Lesnar is absolute shite on the mic but with paul Heyman, he's got all he needs so yeah i don't know we'll see what happens this weekend big weekend in wrestling cannot wait to see it all unfold not a big weekend in the maple leaf land but we do have the women's world hockey championship so check that out as well get your viewing times ready get your popcorn ready This has been Offside Hockey Talk for this week. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.